Welcome to Things I Preach to Myself About podcast. I'm your host, Rich Vangen, and today we continue on from where we left off with Covenant Broken. So here is part two. Let's get into it. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Again, I'm Rich Vangen, and on the previous podcast, now not the blog writing at harborlightsministries.com, but I had the misfortune of having to leave out a portion of the message that I intended to share with you initially because of upload restrictions. If you recall, we were discussing covenants and our obligations to the Lord, as God has really been moving more scripture into my heart and mind, and I'm looking at the big picture of things, I start to realize that there are a lot of obligations on our part to God. So initially I had intended to read in Numbers chapter 30, verse 2, that says, If a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. So in a nutshell, meaning that we're to uphold our vows, especially to the Lord. Now in the message, I had hoped to share a view of covenants versus contracts using the illustration of marriage. So I'll share some of that portion now. Marriages are often entered into as a form of agreement between two people. I see a difference between a contract marriage and a covenant marriage that I feel can really have very diverse results between success and failure. Now, unfortunately, in today's society, marriage is usually entered into solely as contractual. If party A doesn't fulfill party B's criteria, then party B can negate the agreement for breach of contract and thus leading to divorce. Sadly, it may have started with an intent to love you forever, but when the needs and expectations of one are perceived as not being met, the union seems to revert to this contract-minded arrangement. Marriages entered into a contractual union are almost always motivated by the primary desire to get something in return. In contrast, though, when a marriage is entered into as a covenant union, both parties will be more driven by a deep desire to benefit the other person that they're marrying. The marriage vows of a covenant-minded union are more often characterized by unconditional promises that have a truer love as their foundation. It just seems that when secular society gets their fingers stirring within the institution of marriage, it creates an atmosphere of contractual thinking. But when a marriage union is entered into before God, with his word as the foundation, what you have is a covenant union that grows and holds together, as intended by God, where the words, till death do us part, are more often seen through to the very end. Now, marriage is a very important topic in the Bible, especially within the context of trusted friendships. I later spoke in the original podcast more about the marriage in relation to not only man and woman, but also the true bridegroom being Jesus Christ and his saints, the redeemed church. The key role in all of this is submission. And we know that Jesus has already fulfilled his commitment to the covenant relationship by giving up his position in heaven, coming to earth a mortal man, suffering under death by his own creation, but fulfilling the payment for our sins to God. And thus, the glory of the gospel 
is that he rose from the grave, showing us the way, and ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of God the Father, preparing to judge the world. Folks, we have received the invitation by the Holy Spirit to enter into salvation by the blood of Jesus. We have received the invitation to a relationship with God the Father through his Son, our Savior. We have received the invitation to the eternal gift that saves us from eternal damnation. Now, if only we would receive it complete. And yes, this means that we do have obligations to God. I had mentioned a portion of Psalm 116 in the previous podcast, but there's other important parts of this psalm to consider regarding our role. So I begin with verse 1. It says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. And it continues in verses 4 and 5 with, Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. And continuing verses 7 through 9 says, Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. So we accept his cup, and we also pay our vows. We are now his servants because he has loosed our bonds from sin. Look at verse 16. And we offer to him the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on his name, as shown in verse 17. So we will pay our vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, the true church. So now we worship and glorify God by his son Jesus as our Savior. We don't just mutter a prayer and then go about our lives business as usual. We're to follow the Lord Jesus and walk in his ways. So what does that mean? It means knowing who he is, what he has said, and obeying his commands. See, he told us the two main things we're to do, and that's to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbors as yourself. As Jesus said, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now that's quite difficult within our own power, especially when we're constantly embracing the things of this world. You see, because of our sin nature, we will struggle doing anything to honor God on our own. But with the help of the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, guidance by the complete written word of God, the Bible, we're then given the passion to draw near to God and he will draw near to us. We humble ourselves before the Lord and he'll exalt us. So putting aside ourselves, walking in our new nature, we are to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires, as it says in Romans 13, verse 14. That is our new spiritual clothing unto obedience to the one whom we now belong. We're no longer citizens of this world as slaves to sin, gratifying the desires of the old nature, but we're now slaves to the righteousness of God through Christ. We are to walk in the light as he is in the light. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds and now stand before God through the righteousness of Christ. 
If we take a look at the book of Luke, chapter 5, we see this guy, Simon Peter, a fisherman. Him and his crew spent the whole night fishing, but they had a really poor night because they hadn't caught anything. Now in the morning, they're next to the shore, they're washing their nets, packing up, and there nearby was Jesus, giving the word of God to the crowds. The crowds were way too much, so Jesus entered in one of the boats and asked Simon to push out away so he could continue teaching. And when Jesus had finished teaching, he told Simon to put out into the deep water and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon Peter explained that the night was a complete failure. They hadn't caught anything. But in verse 5, though, we see something really interesting. Simon said, But I will do as you say, and let down the nets. You see, the obedience of this man not only yielded that great catch of fish that day, but his submission would change the life of the Apostle Peter forever. And like the Apostles, we're commanded things from Jesus as well. The question we have to address to ourselves every single day is, are we being obedient to his words? Have we, like Peter and the others fishing that day, left everything and followed him? Have we submitted to the eternal bridegroom of our lives, knowing that he gave everything for us by his sacrifice? Have we given everything to him? Folks, the answers to these questions have eternal consequences. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And not only is our obedience to his covenant promises important, they also show our character. As we are to be ready and watching for the return of the Lord to call us home to eternity, we must remember that this world is watching us as well. As we study the word of God, looking at the examples of the saints before us, we need to be mindful that people are watching us to see if we are A, genuine in our faith and not a hypocrite, B, truly rooted in our faith related to all things in our daily lives, C, devoted to the Bible and the doctrinal teachings, and D, displaying the great commandments of loving God completely and loving our neighbors as ourselves. I want to take a quick moment to look at all four of those aspects. See, when we claim our faith as a Christian and yet laugh at dirty jokes or watch and, or listening to entertainment that conflict with the teachings of the Bibles, what we're really telling the world is that our faith is superficial, that you can do whatever you want and claim whatever you want. We're communicating that to be a follower of a Christ really doesn't mean being separated from the world. The Bible is clear that we are not to be like the people in this world, but to let God change you completely. It says that we are to therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. We are not to conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, renewed in the spirit of our minds. It is only by this that we're able to truly know what is God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for our lives. Next, to show the world that we're truly his disciples, we're to be rooted in our faith in all daily matters. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. See, we're not only to talk the talk, but we also have to walk the walk. Colossians chapter 2 says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Folks, the world is watching to see if our actions are consistent and true to our claims. Now, as the Holy Spirit opens our hearts and minds and souls to the truth of the gospel, we need to be receptive to his truth. We find the word of God to be sufficient in teaching and leading us into the path of right living. By obedience to what we're studying in those scriptures, we are always ready to give a reason for the hope we have in Jesus. And this also helps us discern truth from the enemy's lies. We can dispatch falsehoods from the devil by knowing our Bibles. Remember, when Christ was tempted the three times by the devil himself, Jesus used scriptures all three times to thwart the enemy's attacks. And we too need to stand on his words in all we say and do in our lives. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. His word is the sword of the spirit to slay the lies and defend from the attacks of the enemy. The world will also know we're followers of Christ by our love. As much as the Bible talks about the problems of sin, it also speaks about the love of God, the love shed for us through Jesus Christ. The first and greatest commandment that God declares to us is that we are to love God above all things, all people, all desires, all of creation. Nothing else is to be first in our lives. See, our God is a jealous God. We are also not to make any graven images so as to direct our devotion away from the true God of the universe. Now, this sounds like an extreme tall order, but it's important that we ensure that our heart has its highest priorities right, God above all things. And with God as our first love, we know that everything else is in proper order in our hearts. And with our priorities placed in God first, we knew that through his great love by Jesus himself, that we'll be a beacon of love to those around us. See, when we love God proper, we know that his love shines through us to the world around. His light will shine in the darkness of others through us and either bring them into the light or that darkness will flee from us. And it's only by his great love that we are able to truly love our neighbors. Then the world will see God's love in us and through us and know our God. God's covenant with us through his son Jesus is the greatest love of all. Without the great sacrifice of Christ, we would be eternally doomed into the darkness. But because God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, you see, folks, we can now have eternal life with the Father. And we also know that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. 
But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. The Prince of Preachers, the great Charles Spurgeon, once said, There is no joy in this world like union with Christ. The more we can feel it, the happier we are. See, our covenant union with Christ is the primacy of our salvation, our sanctification, and our eternal joy. As we worship and glorify Christ, he gives us peace within. We can fully trust in Jesus by receiving his gift of salvation. We can truly love because we know that he first loved us. We can ultimately have a peace that surpasses understanding when we put our faith in him. We can have all these things by submitting to the authority and lordship of Christ. Simon Peter learned that through obedience to Christ, his true reward was eternal fellowship with God through Christ. He let down his nets and let the light of Jesus in. And we too can learn this as well. Peter went on to write how we are to stand in this world under the covenant of grace from God by preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Amen. This has been Things I Preach to Myself About Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Rich Vangen, and I thank you for taking the time to listen. And if you're unable to listen to all the podcasts, the, the writings themselves are also uh, can be found on my website, Harbor Lights Ministries, all one word, dot com. You can find all my writings there, and I thank you, I thank God for taking the time and sharing with me this growth that God is introducing, and hopefully... He's edifying and growing you as well through his word. Stay in his word. God bless and take care.